So we're uh, working our way uh, in this uh, series with Charlie Brown, some of the clips out of Charlie Brown. And uh, I, I don't know if you all know it, but what, what, what's today's date? So that, that means you have like two shopping days to Christmas. You all ready? You got everything? You know, you know this, is, this is like, it used to be like a really big deal, you know, but, you know and we, we'd be worried about what we were getting the kids and and all, and you'd be listening to what they're telling you, trying to figure out, is this something they really want, you know, or <clears throat> is it that they've just seen the ad today, and so they think they want it, you know, or is this really something important to them, and you're trying to, to go through all of that, and, and Cindy used to have this thing where she'd want to make sure the kids got like the same number of gifts, right? Now, as they get older, they begin to understand, well, you know, I got one, and you got two, but mine's more expensive. They start making those comparisons. But, you know, when, when they were little, it was always, you know, you had to make sure that if one gets two, one the other gets two. If one gets three, the other gets three, and, and all that. And, and, and I thought we were over that, and then uh, last night, we're getting ready to go Christmas caroling, and, uh, and, and I walk in the office upstairs, and Cindy's in there counting the gifts. I'm going, what are, what are you doing? And she said, I want to make sure everybody's getting about the same number. And I'm going, honey, I, th- I think we're over that. And I, no, I don't know. Right? I mean, it's, it, it gets to be this really big deal. And, and as you're a parent, <clears throat> you know, and you're getting ready to come into Christmas, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you've got kids and uh, young kids in your house, you know, there's those three words that, that every parent dreads, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you hate seeing that, don't you? Because, you know, some... Some? What does that mean? I mean, some is such a, a nebulous word. I mean, does that mean you got to put one bolt in it, or is it a major project? I mean, what does what does some assembly mean? And and then you you know you buy a gift and you get it. Your kid gets it on sun you know on the Christmas morning, and they're all ready to play with it. And you open it up, and it has instruction sheets that look like this. <laughs> and there's ten of them, right? And your kid's going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up! I want to play. And you're going, I'm trying to figure this out as fast as I can. And they go, oh, right? And if you're a kid, most of us as kids at some point or another, we had a, uh, we had a certain gift that we wanted, you know, and if you, uh, you know, if you saw the Christmas story, you know, that was, what did the boy want? The BB gun, right? Or, or, you know, cabbage patch dolls were a big thing for a while. Furbies were a big thing for a while. You know, people were fighting in the stores. And, and when I was really young, you know, one, one Christmas, you know, this, the bike, you know, one of those is this red, and it had chrome. In the 50s and 60s, chrome was still a big deal, right? It had chrome. I had a, ooh, if we could just get, I mean, you, and so you get these things and you think, boy, if I could just get that one gift, everything would be great. And, and then one of two things happens. You don't get that gift, which sometimes happens, and, and you're, you're disappointed and bitter, and, and, you know, and some people just stay disappointed and bitter their whole lives, you know? I mean, it just, it just sticks, you know, for the rest of their, or, or you get the gift, and, and, and you're so excited, and then you discover that, wow, that's really wonderful, but nothing really changed. You know, I, I got the bicycle, right? But you know what? I, I, I was still living in Victoria, Texas. <laughs> and you know, when summertime came along, I had a great bike. It was still 100 degrees outside with 80% humidity, and the star in the roads would still get so hot, it would, it would melt and stick to your bike and your feet and your shoes, Right? nothing changed. You know, why is it that we, we come into Christmas and we have this, this longing and this expectation for something and we keep longing to fill something inside with all the stuff that's outside? Let's pray.
Lord, here we are a, a few days away, and our hearts are filled with expectation. So uh, we ask you to come and, and direct that anticipation and expectation toward the one who can truly fill it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, all through it, Charlie Brown, is he's depressed and he's trying to find what it is about Christmas that really is, is what he's looking for. And he goes to several of his friends seeking help. But, but in the movie, there's one person that comes to him for help, and that's his baby sister, Sally. And she comes seeking Charlie's assistance. <laughs> All I want is my fair share of what's coming to me. Tens and twenties would be nice, right? Does that sound familiar to any of you? So I'm just going to ask you now, uh, just, just to take a minute and, and turn to somebody that's sitting near you and answer this question. Growing up, what gift did you think you just had to have for life to be complete? So just take a minute and share that with someone sitting close to you. Yeah, isn't, isn't it interesting how, uh, you know, when we're kids we do that and then as we grow up we, we kind of just kind of expand the range on that a little, right? I mean, you know, it starts off with the bike. And I keep seeing these ads on TV for, you know, like a car with a Christmas bow around it. Has anybody in here ever gotten a car for Christmas? I'm just, I'm just wondering who these people are. So <laughs> I want to meet you. <laughs> I want to talk to you about, anyway, I mean, I'm always kind of amazed at that. And, 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 and we have all these things that we keep trying to, um, to fill up our lives with. Uh, and so we turn to different kinds of things. We, you know, we think our possessions are somehow going to fill that, that emptiness inside of us. And so we keep buying things and accumulating things. I, I'm still amazed. I, I drive through our neighborhood. There's these big houses and all that. And all the cars are on the, the driveways, right? Because the garage is full of stuff. Uh, and, and I keep, you know, in our house, you know, the, the rule is, let's see, is the stuff worth more? Or is the car worth more? The car's more expensive, so the stuff has to go out, you know, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I'm amazed in our neighborhood how many people have their garages full with all that stuff because, you know, that, you know, I just think if we just keep buying, we keep buying or, 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 or we think if we just get the right job uh, that that'll make life great or, or, or maybe if we just get enough money saved up then, then that'll fill us up and we'll feel good about things. And uh, the, the Pew Foundation did an interesting survey several years ago and they, they went and talked to people and they said, uh, you know, so like, uh, how much money do you need to feel more secure in your life? And this is what they found. It didn't matter how much you had, whether you had $10 in your saving or whether you have $10 million in your savings, everybody thought if they could just get about 20% more. No matter how much they had, if they could just get 20% more, they would feel better. There's always this, this, I just need more, I just need a little more, this, this longing to get more, or, or maybe be in the right position, or live in the right community, achieve the right things. If we, can just, if we can just get a hold of that, somehow or another, whatever that is out there will fill up the emptiness in here. And the reason we keep coming every year to Christmas with that longing is nothing out there can fill up what's in here. So, so in Luke's gospel, there's the story of the angelic announcement to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Now, in setting this story in place, Luke, Luke wants you to hear, this is a, a little town in Nazareth called Galilee. Now, now, Galilee was the backwater of Israel, and Nazareth was the backwater of Galilee. Uh, and so, you know, this is really, you know, this is somebody who's from nowhere. It's one of those towns where people always tell you they're from, not where they live anymore, but that's where they're from, because everybody that grew up in Nazareth left and went somewhere else. I mean, it's just the back, back, back of beyond out there. And Mary was the most common name around at that time. In fact, uh, the, the research that they've done for that period of time indicates that almost two-thirds of the women in the country at that time had the name of Mary. Uh, which is why when you read through scripture, uh, they're always helping you identify, well, this is Mary, the wife of this one. This is Mary, the mother of so-and-so. This is Mary Magdalene, Mary from Magdala. They're always connecting because there's so many Marys, otherwise you wouldn't know which one it is because it's a very common name. And what Luke wants you to hear in this is this young, uh, probably 13-year-old girl uh, from Nazareth, I mean, she, she really is a nobody from nowhere. And an angel of the Lord appears to her. And Mary, who knows that she's a nobody from nowhere, has this angel appear and, and she's, she's just puzzled. Why would you come talk to me? I don't matter. Why would you come talk to me? And it's interesting to me how many people I, I talk with, you know, we kind of carry that with us, don't we? we still have kind of that Mary thing going on, you know, that, uh, you know, we believe in God, but we're not really sure God's noticed us or knows about us. Um, people will say, well, you know, I've got this going on in my life and all, and, and, and this is really bothering me, but, but you know, I hate, to, I hate to pray about that because I kind of hate to bother God with that. As if somehow or another, you know, I'm, I just, you know, my life isn't important enough for God to take notice of me. And what's going on with me doesn't really matter that much. And why would God be interested in what's going on in my life? And, and the point of that story, the point of the story beginning this way, is to say God picked a nobody from nowhere. And, and what does he say? A greetings favored one, the Lord's with you. You may think you're nobody from nowhere, but God knows who you are, and God is with you, and God is favoring you. God loves you. God is pouring out blessing upon you. Whoever you are, Luke wants you to understand, whoever you are, that God knows who you are and that you are favored and cherished in God's eyes. And God comes and is with you, even if you live in the little town of Nazareth of Galilee. God is with you. You're favored. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That, that phrase, do not be afraid, comes over and over in Scripture uh, whenever angels appear. Now, the word angel literally in Greek, the word literally means messenger. This is a messenger of God. And I know we like to have these little pictures of the little cherubic kind of things with the little wings that are all cute and cuddly and all that. But angels are not like that in Scripture. Angels are kind of 
awe-inspiring and, and sometimes terrifying and overwhelming because these are messengers of God. There are 99 places in Scripture where an angel appears, and the first thing they have to say is, don't be afraid, because they're scary. I mean, it's, 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 you're encountering this presence, and it's overwhelming. And so the angel says, don't, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. God has looked upon you with favor and love. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And the name literally means he saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? I mean, this, this mighty angel appears, this overwhelming presence is there, has to say, don't be afraid, and then says, listen, you're going to have a kid, and, and you're going to name him, he saves, and he's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the most high, Lord God's going to give him the throne of his ancestor David forever of his kingdom, there will be no end. This, this amazing prophecy, the angel speaks, and Mary says, uh, how's that going to happen? I can't do that. Isn't that interesting? this amazing announcement God's going to do this amazing thing and Mary you're going to be part of it and her response is uh I don't think I can do that have you ever done that to God have you ever been invited in the midst of something that God is doing that's an amazing kind of work an amazing miraculous kind of thing and you've kind of said oh no I don't think I can pull that off Mary is focused on what she's capable of doing Instead of what God's capable of doing. You know, so often we, we have this trouble with uh, allowing God to do anything miraculous or supernatural. Uh, and pretty much ever since the Enlightenment, we've struggled with that. Uh, you know, that, that we, we just can't really quite let God, you know, do something really wonderful in the midst of us. And Thomas Jefferson, you may be aware, actually went through his Bible and cut out all the miracles and everything like that that he considered supernatural and, and created a new Bible uh, that way. Uh, we, we, we wrestle with that as if somehow or another God, you know, can't do what we're not able to do. But I want to pose a question to you. I mean, if, if God is, is the creator of all that is, and if God's life enlivens all that is, and if God is in and through everything that is and is beyond everything that is, isn't God by definition supernatural? And so what to us seems supernatural, isn't that just kind of ordinary business for God? And how often do we refuse to be part of what God's doing because we just, oh, no, I can't do that. And the fact that we can't imagine it or figure out how to make it work, somehow or another we decide that God can't do it either. I mean, if God truly is God, then the supernatural and the miraculous comes easy. Um, they did a survey a number of years back in the States. This was like 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and they were talking to people about, has God ever done something miraculous in your life, a, a healing or done a great work or something like this? And, and of the group of people they, they surveyed, roughly two-thirds of them said yes. And then they came back and they said, well, well, have you ever told anybody about this? And only about 10% of them had told anybody about it. And the follow-up question was, well, why haven't you told anybody? And the answer is, because we're afraid they'll think we're crazy. 
It's gotten to where we begin to think that anytime God intervenes in the midst of the world or acts in the midst of the world in some kind of mighty work or some kind of supernatural, miraculous kind of way, that somehow or another, if we admit that, that people will think we're nuts. Instead of understanding that God has permission to act in the ways God desires to act. And sometimes that goes beyond our understanding. Have you ever just kind of said no to God because you can't figure out how God's going to do what God has promised? So then the angel speaks to me again to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. I, I, I don't think it was really just that explanation that convinced her. Uh, I, I think it was partly the, the presence of this angelic being who was there, this messenger of God speaking to her. Uh, that was part of what was so convincing, this overwhelming, awe-inspiring presence. But, but in the midst of that, the angel reminds her, you know, nothing will be impossible with God. It's not about your limitations. It's about what God desires to do. It doesn't depend on what you're capable of doing. It's about what God is doing and God's inviting you into it. And when Mary finally gets that, she says, okay, well, here I am. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, Mary had no idea what she was agreeing to, right? She's about 13 years old. She has no idea what she's getting into. I mean, I... I'm only saying this from secondhand experience, but you know, watching my wife uh, go through pregnancy with both of our children, well, that, that was an amazing thing to be part of. It was miraculous. I mean, she experienced that life within her growing, and, and I'm, I'm watching it secondhand, but, but just to be there and to be at their birth both times was just an overwhelming kind of miraculous experience for me. This amazing thing that God was doing in our lives. And, and, and then the child comes home with you for three months, the first three months of their lives, you know, and, and you have no idea what you're getting into, right, parents? I mean, it's just, everything changes. Your, your home is in utter chaos because that child doesn't care what your plans are or what you want to do or whether you're hungry or whether you want to sleep. You know, they actually, uh, one of the, the American Psychological Association did a, a study a number of years ago, and they went through all the first-time parents and, and had them go through an inventory and do that during the first three months when their child came home. And you know what? They were all clinically insane. <laughs> I'm serious. Because everything gets turned upside down. I keep, you know, trying to talk to parents when they're first-time parents and say, you know, when this kid comes, your whole life's going to change and everything's going to get rearranged. And they all look at me like, yeah, right, old man, what do you know? And so I just kind of learned to say, okay, well, I'll just wait. And then somewhere like two, three, four months in, you know, they'll be showing up, you know, at the church or in my office. <laughs> yes, yes, now you get it. Everything changes. I mean, Mary's whole life was going to be turned, her physical being, her, her social relationships, her plans, the things maybe she and Joseph had hoped for, all of that was going to change. She had no way to understand that. 
She had no way to understand beyond the, 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 the birth that all these other things in her life was going to happen, that they were going to be having this birth in a stable, uh, that, that he was going to be capable of doing these great works, that there were going to be healings, that he was going to be this teacher. And she had no way of understanding that one day she'd be standing watching his crucifixion. I mean, she couldn't understand the, the, the heights of joy or the depths of agony that she would go through. But she stepped into something amazing. And somehow, in spite of that, and, and all the things that she could never imagine at this point, there's a grounding in her. When you read through the New Testament, the one follower of Jesus who's always there is Mary. The other disciples will doubt. The other disciples will fall away. Mary is always there. Because in giving her life over to God, the very life and love and presence of God comes to dwell in her. And that's all she needs. I mean, in truth, that really is, is, is what we come to, to, to Christmas for. I mean, we, we, we have all of our trappings that we have and, and the things that we try to do and the gifts that we try to do but but really the the longing that we bring to it the, the only thing that can fill that is the very presence of the life and the love of God within us it's the only thing that can fill that longing and we just have to give ourselves over to that and the older I get, the more I'm, I'm understanding that, you know, God, it's not really, God's not interested so much in what I'm able to do or achieve or whatever. God, God is interested in what I, I'm able to surrender. And the more I surrender, the more present God is. So I want you to think as we are coming here in these last couple of days and we're leading up to it, I mean, what, what would complete surrender look like in your life? What would it look like to give over all your plans, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your future? What would it look like to hand that to God and say, okay, God, here am I. Let it be to me according to your word. Because that surrender makes all the difference. Let's pray. So God, here we are coming up to uh, the time when we celebrate the birth of Christ and filled with this uh, longing and anticipation and expectation. And, and we confess that it's too easy for us to try to fill that up with uh, possessions or uh, things or relationships or work or places we live and find ourselves again next year with that same longing still within us. So, so come and speak into our hearts this morning. Remind us that, that whoever we are, wherever we are, that you are with us and that we are favored in your sight. Hear us as we, we come to you and, and open ourselves up to you that you might indwell in us 
in your presence with, with love and life that finally fills the emptiness inside of us. Give us, give us confidence. Give us confidence to say to you, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.